Happy 2022. Welcome back to the second season of Bobby and Jens. My name is Bobby Julik. And over there in Germany, where I'm sure it's nice and warm, Santa's just uh, dropped off all the presents. The festivities are over. The kids are heading back to school. Mr. Jens Vogt. Jens, how you doing? Doing pretty well. It was a needed and much welcomed little holiday, Christmas times and New Year's Eve, a small party at home. And already since two days, the kids are back in school here in Berlin. So we are back to our daily routine. But Christmas, New Year's Eve, absolutely fabulous. I want to hear about that more a little bit later. But uh, first off, I just wanted to give our heartfelt wishes and and thoughts and prayers to the the people in Boulder that lost their houses, in particular, Louisville and Superior, they had some major devastation there. Um, over 990 homes were lost and over 127 damaged. I've, I've seen a lot of people set up GoFundMe pages. So if you have the means to support to them, um, please consider uh, giving giving to those pages because that was just a devastating event. And we hope that the whole city of boulder uh the whole area of of colorado uh recovers from that as quickly as possible but uh yeah getting back on with the show i mean it's been a long time since we spoke yenzi um how did santa treat you this year any any special any special gifts uh yes um santa is always nice to me and i try to give back to the other people as well, of course, uh, in the family. So everybody had, uh, I believe, uh, plenty of presents. And to everyone, a lightning should strike me right now. If I exaggerate, I swear, every year my wife defies the laws of physics. She creates the Mont Everest out of presents in the basement of my house. Every year she makes... The entire, what is it, almost 30,000 feet of altitude in my basement made out of presents. And it works every time. It's a miracle. So, yes, Christmas was great. I got some really cool books. Um, I'm still reading them. So, yep, life is good. Yeah, my uh, my big present was a long time coming. You guys have known this for, for a while now. Um, I'm a creature of habit. And... I got a computer given to me by a rider that I used to work with when I left a, a certain team back in 2012. So I finally have a new computer. To me, that was a, a big moment. And I think the reason why I was dragging my feet for so long was the simple fact that I thought it would be so hard to transfer the information from one that you've had for almost 10 years to, to another. And I have to say, I guess technology's changed a little bit. It was actually quite, quite easy. Um, and yeah, to to reiterate, I mean, the wives just crush Christmas. I mean, it's it's I, I don't have the patience to go up and wrap the presents. And then when you see it on Christmas morning, you're like, oh my gosh, that's that's quite a bit. So Merry Christmas and happy holidays to everyone. Uh, moving on to to New Year's Eve. Yenzi, any uh big plans at the Volk household this this last New Year's Eve? 
I'm afraid I have to disappoint you. Since uh, my wife and me, we just turned 50, uh, it's like a little switch has been turned to slow motion in our life. So when, look, we, we don't want any party. We have a raclette. Is that uh, the same word in English? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we had a raclette. Uh, um, my oldest son went to Hamburg with his girlfriend. Uh, so we invited a friend or two more kids into our place. So we were nine people having a raclette, just a little bit of uh, fireworks because Germany decided to declare it illegal to buy and use fireworks. Um, and so we just had some leftovers and some little kitty fireworks. They were still allowed. Um, so it was a really quiet evening with tons of food and tons of laughter. And it was in the folk house. So to my absolute surprise, nobody stabbed each other and nobody poked somebody else's eye. So it was so peaceful. And I'm like, oh my God, is this happening? <laughs> it's, it's a peaceful evening if we all together in one place, in one room. It was like magic. So yep, it was a quiet, but absolutely fantastic evening. We had a lot of like, you know, this uh, games you play, uh, a little trivial pursuit and, and other games like that. So it was a really nice, cozy evening night at um, the Folk House. Well, I hope at least you stayed up till midnight. I mean, I know you're 50 now, but you did stay up till midnight, right? Well, after we went to bed at 9 p.m., we set the alarm. <laughs> yeah, of course, I stayed, <laughs> I stayed up at least. Um, no, we stayed up until uh, 2.45, I believe it was, 2.45. And then um, we went to bed and told the kids, you know, just don't forget to close the door and lock the door and switch the lights off. The kids were still on full fire, but um, we went to bed. Wow. Okay. So right before midnight, you're supposed to make a New Year's resolution. Yenzi, you're on the hot seat. I want to hear what your New Year's resolution was for 2022 or hopefully still is. Well, apparently um, they are bound to be broken, but I'm trying hard. So my New Year's resolution is every day of the new year, I want to do at least some sport activities. So, so far I'm good. I had uh, two runs. I had one virtual ride and one ride outside so i'm keeping um and keeping track of it um and um to raise the pressure on me 20 push-ups don't count it has to be something where you're at least 30 40 minutes or 60 minutes active right Ooh, that's gonna be a tough one yanzi i mean you are 50 like you said that's gonna be uh impressive I uh, stayed away from the New Year's resolutions this year. I know the big one is a diet, and um, that one personally cracks me because I think diet stands for disaster imminent every time. And I was like, you know, why do I have to change something just because it's New Year's Eve? Like, I kind of got into some good habits. I'm going to continue with those good habits. I like your working out every day idea. I think you can lower that down to 15 minutes on those days that you don't have, you know, an hour. Uh, an hour is still a little bit too much sometimes. But yeah, let us know what your New Year's resolutions were and how they're going. You know, get on to, to Jens or I on our social media pages or, you know, here at the Bobby and Jens Instagram site. We'd like to, we'd like to hear those. But um, man... 2021, you know, we had some really good guests, some really fun guests, a, a wide variety of guests. And just looking forward to 2022, you never know who we're going to pull out. I mean, um, we had 
quite a few surprises there at the end of the year. We had a little Christmas gift for you, a little New Year's gift with uh, some popular guests there. But I just want to thank everyone that came on Bobby and Jens last year. And I want to welcome new up-and-coming Bobby and Jens guests because, you know, we started to to develop a little bit of a trend there. You know, people would come on our podcast and then they'd do well in races, you know, those that were still actively racing. So keep that in mind, you young superstars out there. If Jens and I, uh, Jens or I reach out to you, it could be uh, the lucky charm. Indeed, just a good example would be Tom Pitcock talking to us, become an Olympic champion. Bobby, you and me, we do have the magic touch sometimes. Magic touch or blind luck, but uh, in my opinion, you know, even a blind squirrel gets a nut every once in a while. But um, yeah, other than, you know, eating and trying to stay active over the holiday season, one of the, the cool things was being able to watch the, the cyclocross races. Man, it's been pretty dominant performances by Wout van Aert on the men's side and Lucinda Brand on the women. So far this season, things are going pretty well for them. But um, yeah, some predictions moving forward. We saw Wout have a little bit of a mechanical problem this last uh, this last race, and our boy our boy Tommy P came through with the big W. Um, you know, Lucinda's still going really well. We got the World Cyclocross Championships coming up over here in the States in a couple of weeks. What, what do you think about the performances, the dominant performances of Wout and Lucinda? Do you think they'll be able to hold on all the way, you know, make the transcontinental flight over here and, and be as dominant over here later in the season as they've been so far this season? Well, it does uh, look like a really strong season for Wout van Aert. Didn't he win six out of six to start off with, or was it seven out of seven? Like, absolutely impressive. Um, but it is early, and in Germany, we used to say, who goes fast, quickly, goes quickly slow again. You know, if you peak too early, you can't hold that top shape forever. So I hope, he, uh, or no, not I hope, I think he might be risking that he did peak too early and he is maybe not able to hold these uh, top condition all the way to the World Championships. No question for Lucinda Brandt. She is going to um, win the Worlds, I believe. But right now, my tip would be Tom Pitcock for the World Championships. And it's got to be a different climate as well. As you know, it's cold and muddy and rainy in Belgium. Maybe the World Championships, different climate, uh, it changes everything. So I believe Tom Pitcock, to me, looks pretty good. Or Matthew van der Poel might have a miracle comeback. You never know with that kid. Yeah, I, I, I would love to see those three back on, on top form at the same time. That's for sure. But uh, how about old Tade Pogacar? winning a cyclocross race in Slovenia. That was that was pretty cool to see. Yeah, it was. Um, don't know about the, 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 the roads, or not the road, the, the, the circuit. Um, for a road cyclist, it is always easier if there's not too much technical stuff, you know, where you can use your endurance, your power, and you don't have to do the little switchbacks and, uh, you know, jumping on and off the bike. But hey, he showed many times he's a good bike handler. I mean, he never struggled in downhills or in the in descending in the Grand Tours. 
So I believe he's a pretty complete bike rider. And it's good to see that, you know, he's looking for something else, for a new challenge and uh, trying to widen his horizon a little bit and tries to stay sharp in the so-called off-season. Not much of an off-season for him then. Yeah, I, I like the idea of doing a couple cycle cross races because that that's the best part of watching, you know, the World Cup races, that the ones that are broadcast, is seeing how technical the courses are. You know, some are a little bit more flowy. Obviously, you always have to deal with the weather and the mud. But those run-ups and the dismounting and the remounting that, you know, I know it's only an hour, but like that's an hour at full threshold and above. And I think, you know, not that you have to do too much intensity over the winter, but like once every couple of weeks going out and, you know, pushing yourself and it's always easier to push yourself in a race than it is in training, especially that hard to work on those bike handling skills. I, I love the idea. I, I smiled from ear to ear when I saw that he did that race and, you know, him winning it, you know, that's just icing on the cake. But uh, at the same time, you know, kids out there don't just stay on one discipline. We have so many cool disciplines now uh, from track to BMX to to gravel, to cycle cross, to mountain biking, and of course, road. Mix it all up this time of year. Have fun. Go out there and, you know, just do it and learn and, and get better. Because I, I really do believe that if you're fully focused on one discipline uh, at an early age or throughout the whole off season, you're, you're, you're kind of selling yourself a little bit short. So get in the dirt, get muddy, get wet, have fun, smile, you know, just stay safe. Uh, that's the one thing when I see those guys bombing down those descents in those cycle cross races, um, I'd have to say I would be way off the back. Yeah, I remember um, my little training group here around Berlin, they did a lot of cycle cross during the winter months. And when I would come out of my break and off-season start training with them, I would be hanging off the back, sweating like a pig, you know, like 10 meters off, 20, 30, 50 meters off, come back, get dropped again, you know, the first week of training. And um, just around Christmas time, would be able to easily go with them for these two and a half hour training rides. And just before our season, my season started, I did easy the two and a half hours with them. And then when they all went home, I did exact the same hour on reverse way back. So I did five hours of training. There I could always see how I get better compared to them. And it gave me always a lot of motivation, confidence to keep training with them. But Bobby, my friend, now we talked so much about cyclocross. There is the other side of it. If you take our three superheroes here right now, Matthew van der Poel did the classics last year. The Tour de France, the Olympics. Now he's in a cross season. He crashed at the Olympics. Um, Wout van Aert did the classics, a super Tour de France, the Olympics, the cross season, the same for Pitcock. Okay, he didn't do the tour, but he did Vuelta, Olympics, and cross season. I don't think that all three of them are going to last all season this year. I mean, they're only human. How long can a body take it? You know, I mean, they race at the highest level at the classics, at the tour, at the Olympics, at the cyclocross season. Uh, at, at one moment, something's got a gift. So I, I'm I'm curious to see which one of them is it going to be. But I don't believe all three of them going to be superb and strong as we hope all season long. Because they got to pay a price one time for racing 12 months full gas. 
Great point. Fantastic point. I would say, in my opinion, the one of those three that I'm most worried about as far as continuing the dominance and, you know, the multidiscipline sort of approach is Wout Van Aert. Because, like you said, he got through the season um, pretty much unscathed. He was dominant in the classics. He was dominant in the Tour de France. He was dominant in cyclocross. I mean, overall, he had a pretty clean run. And that's coming off a big season the year before. You know, I have to agree. There's how, how you know, he's a little bit older, not that much, but a little bit older than Tommy P. But you're, I'd hate to be old school and just cast him in a bucket, but I do have to question how much longer he, he can do that. With Vanderpool, you know, Vanderpool was a little bit different. You know, obviously he was super good in the spring, um, you know, focused on the the first week of the tour and then switched to the Olympics, had a bad crash in the Olympics, which I think is affecting him to this day. We really haven't seen that that dominance. But to me, the smartest and the one with the most potential to kind of keep this going, at least for like another season, is, is Tommy Pidcock. Um, he seems like he's just so focused and able to switch from road to mountain bike to cyclocross. Let's just pray that, you know, his coaches have the, the foot on the brake every once in a while and give him some time off. But, you know, that's a really interesting topic that we should dive into in a, in a couple weeks when, when guys are back on the road, but man, fatigue is a fickle thing. And like you said earlier in the podcast, um, how did you say it's once you go good fast, you also go down fast? Um, that's we don't want to see that. You know, hopefully these guys are building their condition, but you know, it's it's a totally different world. It's a totally different generation. It's so hard to predict. But when I see uh, Pogacar, for example, just you know, dipping his toes in the cycle cross. I'm like, yes, but like a full cycle cross season. And then what two on a weekend, you know, you do the Saturday race, you try to recover, you go to the Sunday race. I mean, that takes a lot out of you. So I hope, I hope these guys are, are really thinking, you know, in their phase plan, what they're going to do, but I'm sure there's a little bit of a break coming up with them soon. Some may come over to the world championships. Some may not, um, you know, the calendar is always, you know, questionable. Um, obviously there's the potential for cancellations out there, but just to be smart and, and, and not overcook the engine when, when you're so young, I think is something that this generation may, may learn from because, you know, in our generation, no one, no one did what these kids are doing. It's unbelievable. Talking about the kids, would you agree that, About one and a half years ago, cycling, tactics, strategy started to change. We see these, before we would call them crazy, but now they are successful, like breakaways, like 30, 40, 50 kilometers out. I mean, Dylan van Baale wins that Belgium Classic um, with a 50-kilometer solo. That would have been impossible five years ago, 10 years ago. So cycling seemed to be, especially this year, But just about one half years ago, it started to become more open. Matthew van der Poel attacking early, 
pulling it off. Um, we see a lot more of, of these um, um, attacks. Or just like our one of our last guests, uh, Thomas again complained, these young kids, they just go out and drop you. You know, and I think we will see more of that. Racing will be more open and less predictive. What do you think about that, Bobby? Well, you got to go with the trend. And the trend is these kids have no fear. You know, what, what we were told in our riders meetings or later in our careers in our earpieces of no it's way too far to go you know save it save it save it these these kids are you know taking the risk and you know pressing the boundaries a little bit i mean remco Evenepoel, you know same thing he's kind of fearless and when he's on form and he goes um you better go with him or you better you know control it a little bit tighter uh, you know, Vanderpool, you know, the, it's just a new generation. And I think it makes for much more exciting racing. But at the same time, you got to wonder, like, what has changed? We've heard that, you know, the older riders are hitting some of their best numbers of their career, but they're not in the front. Um, you know, technological advances, you know, nutritional advances, fueling advances are, are you know, everywhere now. But it takes a lot to kind of take all those options and put them together and and actually have, you know, a successful race day. But these kids are doing it time after time after time. And I think that just is is a is a compliment to the rider's resilience, to the organization, to the the coaching, the nutritionalists, the massage therapists, the mechanics. Everyone's doing their job to make sure that these kids are are ready to go. And, you know. Now that I'm 50, now that we're 50, I guess we can call them kids. But, um, you know, it's it's just a new sport. And hopefully that the teams, the UCI can can benefit from this and learn and and adjust the racing schedule, uh, perhaps the distance of races to to make it a little bit more interesting to the public, especially over here in the U.S. If you want to get more out of your free time, sign up to Outside Plus. For less than a dollar a week, you can get a hard copy of Valley News magazine, choose two books a year from VeloPress, access all the premium content from the whole Outside family, including Yoga Journal, Peloton Magazine, and Backpacker. And that's not all. There are discounts of the hottest gear and biggest events as well as virtual health and fitness courses. It's $350 of value every year in one $99 subscription. But if you head to valuenews.com slash outside plus and enter Bobby Jens 25, all one word, lowercase, at checkout, you'll receive our special 25% discount and you make a good deal great. Alrighty, now let's take a long jump to the other side of the age scale. Where do we see Sagan? Where do we see um, Primoz Roglic, Chris Frome? Or where do we see the world champion, Julian Alaphilippe? They are all way past 30 years old. Where do we see them this season or this coming season? One more good year for them? Or is it one year too much and the young kids just gonna beat them all the time? Where do we go with this? Well, the easy one from that list is Julian Alaphilippe. He's going to continue to be just a force of nature. 
That guy seems like he has fun. He is unpredictable. He's not scared. You know, he has a little bit of age on these guys, but I think that's the easy one. I think he's going to be super, uh, super successful. The question to me is Peter Sagan, you know, switching teams, going to a French team. Uh, you know, he had a difficult season this year. That's that's my question. Is he going there for the paycheck or is he going there to really rebuild and and inspire uh, his new French team? What, what do you think about that one? Well, let's see how uh, Peter likes uh, that team. Um, if he talks to Nicky Terpstra, a former Paris-Roubaix winner going to that team. And, well, in all honesty, um, Nicky Terpstra is more or less a shadow of his former self now. So hopefully Peter can um, be successful as he wants to be. The question is, what is in Peter Sagan's eyes a successful season? I mean, last season wasn't the best, but he still won a stage at the Giro Italia. He still had um, the points jersey in the Giro Italia. So it wasn't that he didn't win anything, but it was not the superb, the you know, spectacular Peter Sagan we used to know from the years before. So hopefully he can come back to that. Um, a good point for him is that he basically took his entire little mini team with him, like his little helpers, domestic training partners, his physiotherapist, his mechanic. Uh, so I believe he got his little own Peter Sagan team out of six, seven people. So if you look at that, the change for him is not as drastic as you might think if you arrive all by yourself in a new team. Um, also the French teams are a lot more modern these days they speak English you know um, before uh, they would look at you if you would be an idiot if you start speaking English at the dinner table because nobody else could speak any English that these things have changed so since I'm a big fan of Peter Sagan I keep my fingers crossed I keep, you know I wish him all the best and Maybe wishful thinking, but I think Peter is just Peter Sagan. You know, uh, famous words of Peter Sagan. What is stress? I don't know this. You know, he should be fine. I mean, he's Peter Sagan. You know, things just fall off, off him. Pressure just falls off him and he just performs. So, yes, Peter is going to be back at his old glory. What about Froomey? I mean, uh, you know, he's, he's not getting any younger. You know, obviously had a bad crash a couple of years ago. He had Baharzia during the Tour de France. Uh, he currently has a, a knee issue. Um, one thing that I learned about Chris over the last decade or so is never question his spirit, never question his professionalism, and never rule him out. But it's getting to that point, very critical point, that he has to perform. How do you think Chris Froome is going to do this year in in the season? Will he even make the tour team? Will he be healthy enough? Well, first of all, I love the guy and I only have the deepest respect for him for the passion of cycling he shows. I mean, last year he got his head kicked in more than once and he just came up and said, look, yeah, I know it wasn't the best, but I'll be back on a bike tomorrow and I'm going to try to be better. So the passion is there. He still loves what he does. Um, but like you say, he's not getting any younger. I believe it would help him and the team to drop the expectations a little and go, dear world, 
we do not talk and dream of another tour win. We would love Chris to become healthy, fit, in the tour team and win a stage. Maybe lose 10 minutes on a flat stage, lose another 10 minutes on a first mountain stage and then go on a break and win the second mountain stage. I believe he's still able to do that. You know, I work for Eurosport and in my job prescription, it says cycling expert. So in my job as a so-called cycling expert, I have to say a podium finish in a tour for Chris, unfortunately, is very, very unlikely next to impossible. Saying that, I repeat, I love the guy. I respect him for the passion he shows and the fighting spirit. And I believe he can win a stage, but not the entire thing anymore. Okay, back to the fourth person that you mentioned on your list, Primoz Rodlich. Let's, uh, let's dive into him a little bit. What do you think? He is gonna feel like he is in a Peter Pan movie. Every day he wakes up, he hears the tick, 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 tick of the watch. And his crocodile is his country, fellow countryman, Tadej Pogacar. And he got only, if, he got only this year left to win the tour. He was so awfully close so many times. And he was in a shape to win it. But then a bad time trial, a crash or a double crash. So he, he physically he was able to win the tour in the last two or three years. But it just didn't happen. And I believe this year is going to be the last year where he's able to win the Tour de France. He might be winning another Vuelta or a Giro or a Paris in the years to come. But for the Tour de France, the most important and the most demanding race on the calendar, it's this year or never. So he can, every day he wakes up, he hears the tick, tick, tick of the clock because he knows my time for the Tour de France overall is running out. And Pogacar is still there and still looking as strong as ever. So, yes, he will be podium again. I don't even dare to see what position. I'm a big fan of Primos. Um, would have loved to have seen him not crash last year. To, but I, I believe last year was his only his last year to try to win the Tour. I wouldn't be surprised if, like you said, he wins some one-week stage races. But um, I think that he's going to have a hard time even being the best on his team this year. Which leads me, now that we've talk, talked about the younger generation, the middle generation, the older generation, I want to go back to a prediction of one rider. You have one rider to choose that showed us a glimpse of his potential last year and you believe is going to confirm and maybe take over the leadership of a team and perform in the in the Tour de France. Who do you have in your little quiver of interesting riders like that? I'm happy that I can pick first because I'm afraid you might want to pick the same one. I would go for Jonas Wingegaard. He came out of nowhere, becoming the leader, and uh, performing pretty well. So just as you mentioned that Primoz Roglic might find it hard to become the leader in his own team, that's one of the young kids, you know, pushing and going, hey, uh, the king is dead, long live the king. So I believe Jonas Wingegaard, now he knows what he is able to do. He got the confidence that if he, the team backs him up, he might be 
one or the future leader at uh, Team Jumbo Visma. So he would be uh, my pick for a rider to become the next um, superstar. I just realized that my interview technique was not spot on because I basically teed that up for you. That was what we call an underhand softball pitch because yes, that's who I was hinting at. That's the one rider that I'm excited to see if he can make the progression that he made this year again next year. That being said, I think everyone is going to have a hard time beating Tade Pogacar. Um, it's just amazing how relaxed this kid is. He's obviously still young in his prime. I think everyone is going to be going for second place this year unless Jonas comes out and shows even more this year. So a lot to be excited about. I mean, we've only talked about the the men's side. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be some great racing on the women's side. It's great to see them with some more race days. Um, you know, the calendar is a little bit more full. You know, we got tons of stuff to to talk about, tons of people to hopefully stalk on Instagram and get to come on the show. Um, by the way, folks, you know, check your DMs every now and then, you know, Jens and I may try to slip in there and invite you on to Bobby and Jens. So please respond to us, you know, um, be nice. Come on, share your stories with us and, and our listeners. But um, yeah, let's, let's get it on 2022. Let's make sure that it's not uh, 2022. Bobby, my friend, I thought I knew more or less everything about you, but I was so wrong. You never told me that you were actually trying to pursue a totally different career. And I got photo proof of that in the year. What, what are you talking about? In the year 1993, you were 22 years old. You participated in a snowshoe race. I got photo proof of the I results. I have no idea what you're talking you about. You finished 13th. Bobby Julek, 22 years old. 13th place with some 55 minutes time. And you were nicely sandwiched between the first lady, she finished 12, Karen Cairns, and place 14 was Melissa Lee Sobal, I believe. And your name is in between, position 13, snowshoe race in the year 1993. I have no idea what you're talking about. I have no idea. I mean, I... I that was the year that I didn't have a team and I did spend the winter that year because the next year I rode for LA Chevrolet LA Sheriffs. So I did some cross country ski race. I'm not sure, but you know, 50 year old man, you know, your, your memory starts to fade a little bit. I'm not sure about the snowshoe thing. But um, you said you had photographic proof. Can I at least see that? Yep, I will send that to you right away wow you know i'm sorry i left that out of our uh you know pillow talk over all those years as being roommates yenzi but um even i with an elephant memory don't remember doing a snowshoe race but hey stay active that's a outdoor activity and it's great there's no snow like that in south carolina so i don't have to worry about that anymore well, thanks for listening to our banter back and forth. We're going to have a 
great guest next week, but that's all the time we have for this week. Thank you so much for listening, and please have a very healthy and happy 2022. I also just want to wish you a happy new year. Lots of health, happiness, and great times with friends and families. Thanks for listening. And please give us a five-star review and share us with your friends. This show is a Bella News production in association with Shock Giraffe. Our super producer was Mark Payne and our super editor, Tim Moza. And please, as always, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bobby and Jens. And please share your cycling stories with us. <laughs> <laughs>